Jewish audio on Chabad.org. The Basics of Hasidus, Chapter 10 Men, Women, and God's Homey Residence. The Arizal taught that all of Torah and mitzvahs are meant to be performed within the male female dynamic. Marriage is of central importance in Judaism, and it is only from the prism of the union of man and woman that all mitzvahs can be probably, properly observed. This explains why some mitzvahs are uniquely feminine and others specifically masculine, as man and woman are meant to join forces and form one unit of divine service and revelation. Dirubatachtonim, being analogous to the creation of a physical dwelling, highlights the particular roles that men and women each play in revealing God's presence within our world. Commonly, the man will ensure the home's functionality, while the woman will fashion the residence into a homey and welcoming space. Similarly, when charged with drawing godliness into this world, men are likely to be conquerors aimed at achieving compliance from an unreceptive world. The world may become a residence for God, but only half-heartedly. Meanwhile, women tend to be nurturers, whose warmth and gentle influence will ultimately cause the goodness of divine revelation to fully resonate within existence. This explains why the man is obligated to perform many function-oriented mitzvahs, causing godliness to be pumped into our world, while the feminine mitzvahs are more holistic and foundational, imbuing the world with the warmth and beauty of godly revelation. Teshuva A unique dimension of the transformative process that makes this world into a home for God is accomplished by the process of teshuva. While mitzvahs are performed with the better elements of the world, the journey of teshuva returning to God from foreign places involves a different and uglier part of existence. Often, what prompts the Jew to return to God is the experience of hitting rock bottom, arriving at a state so low that it cannot be tolerated. The Jew launches into returning to God because they drifted so far. Rather than the distance from the truth being a factor of assimilation, their unbecoming environment propels them towards home. Additionally, when the Jew does arrive home, their reunion with God and one's personal heritage is with great passion and steadfast commitment. Outpacing the person who never stumbled, The returnee has notable gains earned from their painful experience. Teshuvah accomplishes what no unchallenged mitzvah can. It uncovers purpose within the darkest of places, and it precipitates the ultimate reversal when all evil will cease. Teshuvah causes the darkness to realize that its true identity is just a means to bringing people back home. The ugly parts are not cancelled or deleted. Instead, the darkness shines brightly, teaching us that no place is devoid of God's truth 
and therefore returning home is the only option. More broadly, this explains the importance of the challenge created by free choice. While the temptation to transgress the wishes of our Creator may appear to be an absolute deficiency, its purpose is that we exercise our free choice and choose goodness. The struggle exists so that the darkness of this world can facilitate our proper choice, triggering the creation of the Dira Patachtonim from within the world. This accomplishes an identical result to Teshuva without actually hitting rock bottom. The confusion of temptation provides enough ability to sin for us to realize the absolute truth of godliness and decide that sinning is a non-option. Section 7. Remaking Existence Bold Revelation All in all, the realization of the true purpose of existence involves a whole lot of godly revelation within this world. Our world is meant to be the home of the divine essence, and he is to be manifest in all of his glory. In the words of the Midrash, often cited in connection with the creation of the Dira B'tachtonim, Ikar Shechina was and will be present within this lowest realm. The unusual term Ikar Shechina, the primary level or essence of the divine presence, describes the boundless revelation that our world will experience. To explain, in general terms, divine revelation can be spoken of in three categories. Number one, a limited revelation that is tailored or at least relevant to the parameters of creation. This is known as memalikolalmin, or more descriptively, revelation for the sake of the worlds. Number two, an infinite revelation which expresses God's unparalleled glory and transcendence. This is known as Soviv Kolalmin, or more descriptively, revelation for the sake of divine expression. Number three, the divine essence whose being is neither concealed nor expressed, he just is. Without any relation to parameters or bounds, God exists. We talk to him. We trust him, we request of him, all without trying to define him. Not subject to names or titles, God's essence is referred to as atmos, meaning essence, just because he just is. Typically, when there is a discussion of Shekhinah being manifest in the world, it refers to the first category of memalikolalmin. This revelation is within, the scope, is within the scope of earthly beings to appreciate and internalize. Being recipient-oriented rather than giver-oriented, this revelation can be modulated to the appropriate volume which creations can handle. However, the, the future revelation will also be that of Ikar Shekhinah, the core essence of the Shekhinah, which includes the highest levels of divine expression, Soviv Kolalmin, and even of Atmos, who just is without any definition. Understanding Revelation A common analogy given by our sages to provide reference to God is the character of a king. 
In the context of our conversation, this comparison is relevant as it will provide some insight into these three levels of divine manifestation. Number one, on a day-to-day level, the king is responsible for governing his people. He sets laws, issues edicts, and determines social benefits. A just king acts only for the nation's benefit, and his governance is tailored to their needs. This is parallel to the nurturing divine energy of Mamalikolalmin, which is oriented to the needs and limitations of the creations. Number two, in the king's royal lifestyle and majestic public appearances, another element of kingship is noticed. Adorned in dazzling royal clothing, the king wears a gem-studded crown and is surrounded by officers who prostrate themselves before him. The average citizen is completely overwhelmed by the king's glamour and majesty, and the masses submit themselves to his sovereign rule. This has similarity to the revelation of Soviv Kolalmin, where God's infinity and transcendence overwhelm existence. The display of God's grandeur redefines creation's relationship with its creator and causes all beings to be absorbed in divine consciousness. Number three. Now, imagine a king when he is home alone. Managing the kingdom or impressing his subjects are not his current concern. He is just existing in his own element. In his own space, the throne, royal garbs, and majestic crown have no purpose. He is just himself, with no one to impress or intimidate. Yet, even alone, without the royal glamour, he is still king. He is exalted by virtue of his own self, rather than by his subjects' submission to him. He just is. This unique dimension of kingship has relevance to the divine essence. Beyond Being beyond both involvement and transcendence, Atmos exists in its own element. He just is. This three-tiered analogy of a king's interaction with his people, representing these three levels of Shechina, offers some inkling of insight into the extent of the revelation our world is set to experience. Rather than imagining our world as being only in sync with God's instructions, which correspond to Mamalikol Almin, God himself will move in to dwell in our world. The world as we know it will become a glamorous palace filled with the tremendous infinite revelation of Sobev Kolalmin. The world will be filled with transcendent spirituality, which is usually more overwhelming than inspiring. Additionally, Atmos will be clearly observable within this lowest world, in a manner which is likened to the king who is home alone, just being himself. God will be present, feeling at home within our own space. The big question. In contrast to the above, it is well known that the basis of existence is the concealment of godliness. Similar to tinted eyeglasses which filter the sun's blinding light, reality as we know it is the product of multiple layers of God's self-concealment. This leaves us to wonder. Number one, How will the world come to host such revelation without being stunned into extinction? And number two, furthermore, this revelation is not meant to arrive as a unilateral act of God who is able to pull off such a paradoxical miracle. Instead, 
This revelation is meant to be caused by you and me, the dwellers of this world. How then will we cause such outstanding revelation? Subduing, replacing, and transforming. This problem is resolved by taking a closer look at the process in which the Dira Batachtoinim is made. Earlier, we cited the words of the Alter Rebbe, who describes the world becoming a dwelling for God through means of two processes mentioned in the Zohar. Number one, Iskafia Sitra Achara, the subduing of negativity. Number two, Ishapcha Chashoycha Linahoira, the transformation of darkness into light. The Zohar describes the potency of Iskafia Sitra Achra subduing negativity. It states, when the Sitra Achra is subdued, the glory of God is revealed throughout all the worlds. This encompassing revelation of God's glory refers to Soviv Kolalmin, which is equipped to permeate all realms equally. Subduing the Sitra Achra is not about delivering knockout blows. Instead, every solitary act of Iskafia causes this transcendent revelation. Even one moment of resistance to conforming with the self-serving wishes of the Nefesha Bahamis, the animalistic soul, is not too small to be of cosmic proportions. Just one act of bending over the forces of negativity has the power to fill our world with boundless revelation. This revelation is a corresponding result of our struggle. Soviv Kolalman is not naturally revealed within existence. This is just not its thing. Revelation within existence is the job of Mamali Kolalman. What causes this revelation to manifest, in contrary fashion to its transcendent nature, is people going against their nature. When we subdue our natural tendencies... This is reflected above, and we merit revelation that is beyond natural for our world. However, the above only explains how our actions trigger transcendent revelation, but it does not resolve how the world is meant to become a proper recipient. This is where Ishapcha comes in. As will be explained, this process changes the dynamics of the world's darkness. We will examine two methods of Ishapcha, both of which enable the world to receive boundless and up-close revelation. Number one, replacing the darkness with light. The circumstances of the world will be such that it will willingly give up its tendency of concealing godliness. The world will discover that it can welcome godliness as its true essence and ultimate source. Number two, transforming the darkness into light. The darkness itself will discover its true voice. Rather than being a force of concealment, the symptom and the physical existence will begin to reveal godliness. Although they are, by very definition, restrictions to the revelation of godliness, they will paradoxically discover that they can be forces of revelation. Illuminating the Darkness To understand the first method of Ishapcha, let us refer to our earlier discussion about Mashiach 
and his Yechida effect. In a previous chapter, we explained that Mashiach's revelation will resonate with the world as the nature of Yechida is to permeate all of existence and cause an internal rediscovery of self. Rather than our identity being defined by personal interests and tendencies, the core of the soul and its inherent dedication to God will become the all-encompassing reality. As explained, the revelation of Mashiach will shift the world into being God-centered, replacing the previous focus on self-centered pursuits. As a result, the darkness will be replaced with light, and the light will be well-received. Any rebellious tendencies will be used for positive causes, and all of our talents and capabilities will be aligned to serving God and fulfilling his mission. This idea gives perspective into how, indeed, the world will, be, will welcome transcendent revelation. Upon discovery of its true identity, life will be refrained. Our priorities will be reconsidered, and our world will realize that godliness truly does belong here. The Echide effect will cause Ishapcha, changing our world and the way we experience our reality.